0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Deja of I'm one of your hosts, Rachel Weinberg, and today Diego Medina and I are going into week three of our 31 fr- nights of fright, and we are discussing slasher films. So stick around, and we'll be going through some of the big slasher names. Okay, so let's just hop right into it. So on our first night back, we watched Tom Holland's 1988 film Child's Play. So Diego, what are your thoughts on Child's Play?
1: I liked Child's Play. I, I thought it was like a decent introduction to like the slasher section. And I thought the animatronic Chucky and just like the puppeteering and everything's really well done. I think he's such a character and he's fun. It doesn't really leave a lot in the memory to me. Like there weren't a ton of scenes that like jump out to me and stick out in my memory outside of like when he's threatening to or she's threatening to throw him in the fire and the end when they're just like destroying him but I like it it's the first in of two Chicago horror movies which is weird but I thought it was good I like it
0: I I love child's play I I'm I feel like that's a broken record at this point but It's really interesting because we went from Sleepaway Camp, which we talked about at length last time, to Child's Play, which was written by Don Mancini, who wrote all of the movies, who wrote this kind of as a conversation about what it's like to grow up without a father who accepts a queer person. And that's the reason why that like Chucky doll comes into play. It's that lack of a father figure. So it's really interesting to see that progression from from five years, from what Sleepaway Camp would do into how that would affect Child's Play. But I think the reason I like Child's Play so much isn't because of Chucky, which I think, as you said, the animatronics are awesome, but it's because of the relationship between Andy and Karen, and specifically...
1: He's so cute.
0: Yeah, he's the cutest kid in any movie ever. Like, (laughs) Alex Vincent, who is still working on the Child's Play series as an adult and is going to be in the upcoming Sci-Fi Shudder show about it, is just the cutest kid, and I, like... Love so many of it, so many lines from it, but I, my favorite part of the movie is the opening. Whenever he makes his mom the really burnt toast with like the ice cream scoop of butter and he spills it everywhere and his mom's just like, thank you, yeah, I'm gonna eat it, one second. And it's like, but it's his birthday, like he should be the one who's expected to get things, but he's already trying to take care of his mom and it's just this beautiful dynamic. And then I also love whenever, he's just so good whenever he's crying to the doctor about being scared and whenever the final line when he goes, "We' we friends to the end, Andy? And Andy goes, no, this is the end, friend. I just, I think it's such a really authentic dynamic between a mother and child. And I think I've noticed through these horror movies that what gets me the most in horror movies are like mother-child relationships like every time I'm like I love this movie it's because of the mom and the kid
1: so yeah I feel like I agree like it's especially strong in child play though like I feel like that Andy and his mom like they just have so much chemistry
0: you get that from It's not it's a two way street too, because she's literally leaving work and getting in trouble with her boss to get her son the stall that he really wanted and she can't get it like new but she's going to back alleys and fighting with people to get it. Like it's just such a like really cute relationship that really blossoms in this movie. What would you give child's play out of the skulls?
1: I would probably give child's play four skulls.
0: I'd give Child's Play, whenever I looked at how I rated it last time, and I gave it four skulls, but this time I gave it four and a half. I really, really like it. The next one was Sean S. Cunningham's 1980 Halloween ripoff, Friday the 13th. So, thoughts on Friday the 13th?
1: I thought it was fine. It just kind of, like, felt like exactly what I expected from a Friday the 13th movie, and, like, it's just... Some kids go up to camp and they don't leave camp, and you get the big reveal that it's not Jason, that you'll get. They they make a big deal of and scream. I I don't know. I thought it was it was just fine. Like I guess, I it's hard to call it like derivative of Halloween without having seen Halloween. But like it just kind of feels like very straightforward teens getting killed, and so. I think the effects really stood out. I like the scene where um, the killer's head gets cut off, and you see Tom Savini's big manly hands. Um, but like some of the kills are pretty good. I I think I liked part four more, but like for what it was, I thought it was like a fine movie.
0: As someone who's seen Halloween maybe a couple times, this. Is like Shauna's Cunningham watched Halloween, half baked, and just remembered bits and pieces, and was like, "We'll make a movie about some kids and have them get killed." And it's just, it's, it's very. It started the whole "if you have sex, you die," which I think is a pretty big staple in horror movies. And you'll see that again in Scream, but. This movie is just so sloppy and the, the thing that saves it for me is Tom Savini's effects from his hairy man hands to the arrow Kevin Bacon scene in the throat and just the, the splattered general is really great. I just it's so wooden and none of the characters are memorable and I think maybe too I've, I've probably seen this movie like Second out of all the movies on this list, like most times, because it was a movie from when I was really, really young that I felt like, oh I could sneak and watch Friday the 13th because it's kind of Forbidden Fruit. So, for a really long time, this was my favorite Friday the 13th movie. And then, the last like three years, I think, when I was re watching them, I said, oh, this is, this is gonna be the top three. Like, <laughs> this one's like not that good. So, I think watching it again. And then watching it in dialogue with all of these other slashers, it just reinforced the idea that this is a ripoff of a movie that spawned an extreme killer who wasn't even in it.
1: Yeah, and I feel like for as much as I like hated the ending, I feel like Sleepaway Camp is a better camp-based slasher movie. Like I think the characters were much more not in depth, but, like, you could tell them apart, I think, and they just had, like, a lot of funny moments, and mostly because there are, I wouldn't say likable, but just more dynamic characters, I guess, that, like, really stand out as opposed to the cardboard cutout camp counselors you get at Friday the 13th that are just there to die.
0: Do you think that's true? Because sleepaway camp is filled with kids at the camp so there's like a liveliness rather than friday the 13th which is the counselors getting ready for kids at a camp
1: yeah i guess that's a good point but i don't know there were counselors in sleepaway camp and they were all very like distinct and i can like think of them apart in my head and they all had like their own character i can't remember anybody for friday the 13th besides alice
0: So, what would you give Friday the 13th?
1: I'd probably give it, like, probably, like, two and a half skulls. I think it's, like, a fine movie, but there's a lot holding it back from just, like, being a more entertaining watch.
0: Yeah, I think that looking back on it, it's kind of boring, but I can't, like, deny what it did for... The horror like the slasher subgenre especially with birthing Jason so I guess I'd give it like three skulls but I feel like the more I watch it the lower it gets so then the next day we went on to my favorite Friday the 13th movie which is directed by Joseph Zito from The Prowler 1984 Friday the 13th part 4 the final chapter which stars the amazing Corey Feldman <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah um not the final chapter but a significant improvement on its progenitor I can't really speak to the second or third movies but I think like by this movie like the Friday the 13th series had like finally figured out what it was which is ironic because they call it the final chapter but I think like this movie just kind of it meets a lot of the, um, not meets, but it kind of fixes a lot of the problems I had with the uh, first movie. Like, for example, like, they're just much more memorable characters, like the the camping guy and Corey Feldman and the sister. Obviously, like, they're the three main characters, mm-hmm. but... They... Firstman
0: Glover and Teddy and oh yeah i forgot about
1: crispin glover mostly because his death is just so sudden i feel but his
0: death's so good
1: yeah the, the kills were really good i think it was cool to see jason just like being jason so i think it's like a fun movie i don't think it's like a great movie but like it's it's a popcorn flick and it's just fun
0: yeah i feel the same way so like this is my favorite probably the 13th movie. But in 1, 2, and 3, in the first one, Jason's actually a child. And then in the second and third one, it's kind of Jason, like, it's very infantile. Like, him beginning to find himself and figure out what he wants. From in the third movie, picking up his hockey mask to still being kind of clumsy. But in this one, I think what the second best Jason actor, Ted White, does, who was in his 50s when he was making this film and did such an amazing job with the effects, was able to give Jason more precision and make Jason actually scary when I don't think that was really the case in part two and part three. But I think this movie, as you said, is a popper, like it's not anything revolutionary, but I like that Tom Savini came back to kill his creation. And I think that the reason that it works so well and the reason that it sets itself apart from all the other Friday 13 movies is because at its core, it's more about a family. And it's really about... um, tommy doyle and his sister and Corey feldman again just probably my favorite child actor so so genuine from seeing the girl shirtless for the first time and jumping on his bed (laughs) to like wanting to go into the water with them to just actually becoming a badass in the end and killing jason i feel like he is just so authentically young and just sweet that that's the reason why that family dynamic works But I also really like Crispin Glover and his dancing, and I think that whole like dead fuck thing is super funny. And I love when he goes, "Ted, where the hell is the goddamn corkscrew?" and then just gets it.
1: Yeah, Jason's kills were pretty creative, and I thought it was fun. Just like the way he would, just the way he popped out on Crispin Glover was hilarious, and the way he got uh, Ted, I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean also Good Boy Gordon who just jumped out the window and, and peaced out. <laughs> yeah. But it's a it's a really I think a really i think it's the most solid of that franchise. It's not probably the best made film out of the franchise, but it, it's the best Jason movie and I really enjoy it. So I'd give it four skulls. I think it's a really fun movie.
1: Yeah, I would give it probably three and a half skulls. So the next
0: one is the beginning of our West Craven saga, which was his standout 1984, so the same year as the film we just talked about, film A Nightmare on Elm Street. So good.
1: Yeah, this movie's pretty awesome. It's just so creative and such a like wild concept. And I think the effects are just like so great. <laughs> Johnny Depp's in it has turned into a fucking geyser of blood it's awesome um i like all the dream stuff it's really cool and just like like i i'm just at a loss for words at how cool these effects are like it almost has like this sublime feeling and i think freddie is like so funny <laughs> this is this
0: isn't freddie at his funniest i think freddie Freddie goes from, I think Freddie is really funny in this, but he's also still scary in this one. And then by Dream Warriors, which is the third movie, Freddie like pops his head out of a TV and goes up to a girl and says, welcome to prime time, bitch, and then just pushes her into the TV. So Freddie becomes a very much a caricature of himself later on in the series, and then that's kind of returned whenever Wes Craven in the sixth film, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which was right before he made Scream, it was kind of him seeing what self-referential horror would be, came out and turned it on the head and had um, Heather Langenkamp, who plays Nancy, come back and play herself and have Robert England play himself. And, like, it's a very meta. I really, really like it. Bob Shay's in it, who's the producer of all the films at Mer- Max, um Not Miramax New Line. So it's, it's a good one. It's probably my second favorite in the series. But I think what Nightmare on Elm Street really does is it really reminds you of like what it's like to have a nightmare as a little kid like that idea of like something being so surreal and all-encompassing and really taking you for a ride is just so well done in this and from the spinning sets with Tina's death scene and as you said the geyser of blood with Johnny Depp which electrocuted the whole cat the whole crew it's very intuitive in the way that they create these scenes and then I think what we really are going to be able to see here and I think the only other character that really has this kind of in this section this personality is chucky but robert england so much of himself is in freddy and i think that that's the reason why freddy is so visceral and whenever you see freddy and he pops out of the phone looking Nancy's ear saying i'm your boyfriend now bitch Great scene. it works <laughs> is because you have a true actor playing this role and in halloween with in texas chainsaw and in at the 13th they're stunt guys who are playing these roles. So it's a really interesting kind of dichotomy between these two slashers which have so much personality and so much individualism versus what we would see in most of these other franchises oh. So like I, I think that it's it's a really great story. I really like the ending too the the tact on ending not as much but I really like whenever Nancy says I'm taking back all the energy that I gave you I think that's a really interesting way it's showing that if you push through your nightmare like you're gonna wake up mm-hmm. which I think is a really good ending
1: yeah I just there's so many like novel concepts in this movie so it's like it's so refreshing coming off of Friday the Thirteenth Part Four because there's yeah. just so it's it does so many things new and I think that is what probably led to me enjoying our next movie a bit less
0: so what would you give nightmare on the street
1: like probably four and a half skulls
0: i agree yeah it's great the next was wes craven's film that he came out with 12 years later that we alluded to in the previous film review and that is scream so i love this movie it's probably like my top five horror movies of all time i know that it was a little lackluster to you
1: yeah, I think that's a lot because of just so many interesting, cool new things that Friday the 13th, or Friday, excuse me, Nightmare on Elm Street does. The point of the movie is to be, like, meta and, so like, referential to other horror films, so it's, like, derivative on purpose, but it does, like, some new things through its commentary on, like, the genre in general, but in, like, separating it from its, like, film theory context and just kind of looking at it as a movie it doesn't really do a whole lot for me that's like new and interesting outside of like oh there's two killers wow it got me but like you know who the killer is they they make it pretty obvious i feel and like by the time they reveal it it's just like okay well that wasn't a very a very climactic reveal but I think that's also probably part of it like they did that on purpose to make it seem like oh you can just guess in these horror movies who the killer is going to be real easy but it's it's uh it's a good movie for what it is and like what it does in terms of like a larger genre and theoretical uh context but as just like a standalone slasher flick it doesn't do enough to differentiate itself from the crowd for me outside of just like being a meta commentary on other movies
0: i i I very wholeheartedly disagree like scream in the late 70s to 80s there was a slasher boom mainly within franchises and then around 1987 slashers began to die out and that was mainly because of the failure that was halloween 5 the curse of michael myers as well as what happened with jason takes manhattan and people realized that they weren't profitable anymore so the slasher kind of died and then what we saw with scream was it reinvigorated the slasher, created a postmodern the like, guys on the slasher, which was something that hadn't really happened before. Even though there had been referential horror, but without Scream, the slasher genre would have been dormant for much longer than it was. And then after Scream, we have the I know you did last summer, the Urban Legend, and all of those like post Scream wannabes. But I think if you were to like watch a If you wanted to look at postmodernism and that is a theory in this film, in a film, I think Scream is a really good one to do because it still has a sense of seriousness to like the story that it's telling. I think the opening in Scream is really scary. I think it's very visceral. And then it has those lighthearted moments like when Wes Craven's in the hall as the janitor playing Freddy or whenever Henry Winkler is looking at himself in the mirror and getting spooked every time. So it really does this great thing in genre theory that's broken up into four parts, but I'm not going to get into it, where it's borderline on parody and recreation. But I think the makeup effects are really good in it too. And I think that my favorite character in it is Stu. Matthew yeah. Lillard yeah he's uh, a character <laughs> and I would I would like for Stu to come back in part five because I don't think Stu's dead
1: yeah I mean you can you can see by that um that tangent that our reviews were completely different because she did not separate it from its theoretical context No, I think that you
0: have to historically situate a film in order to understand it.
1: Well, for all the people in the audience who don't do that kind of legwork, it might not be as enjoyable to you if you don't care about horror on a level that you would understand the tropes and would be able to connect the threads and really appreciate what this movie does which is why I think I didn't like it as much because I just don't understand all that.
0: I still think though I think the reason that I spoke so much about the idea of like postmodernism in Scream is because that's what I can bring to the table that's different. It's not because I think it's the only thing. I think that Scream you are really define
1: postmodernism.
0: So postmodernism is kind of being a critique on the modernist culture. And that's kind of a wide range of things for the art forms. Postmodernism is not just specific to film, but whenever it is in film, it's kind of making sure to be referential and subverting mainstream conventions. That could be narrative structure, like the way we see it in Pulp Fiction with an intertext narrative, to characterization, like what we see in Austin Powers, with this kind of spoof on a James Bond that's very goofy and not actually like suave. And then what it does is it kind of tests the audience's understanding of this structure and then kind of suspends their disbelief on what this structure is. So what we could see with this in Scream is that Scream is misleading in the beginning of the film. We see Casey on the phone and we think this is going to be a very, very serious slasher, kind of what we get from Halloween or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then as the movie goes on, not only are they referring to different horror movies, but they're also kind of testing that narrative. If you have sex, you die. And we see Sydney has sex. Or how much do these characters really know about horror movies? We see Wes Craven as Freddy Krueger in the hall. So what we're able to do with Scream is once again subvert the mainstains of the genre and then make the audience go on that ride for them. So that's what I mean by postmodernism. What I was saying was that I think Scream is an heartily entertaining movie that's really well casted, that's really well acted, and that's pretty well written. And I think that even if you just like took it out of that and just watched it in a blank room like which my roommate watched the movie with us and she loves screen but she doesn't give a shit about film theory Mm -hmm. like she just thinks it's a good movie so i think that i would agree with
1: like everything you said in the back half there for sure like it's a a very competent movie and the writing is really great and like don't get me wrong i it didn't do much for me personally but this is like a very good movie
0: I think, too, like, I think you're in a different place because you've been watching a horror movie every night for the last, when we watched Scream, 18 nights. So you're also, the way that you're viewing all of these films are in conjunction with one another. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, like, also very different. But I still think that Scream is, like, one of the best movies on this list. But I would give Scream four and a half stars. I think it's equally situated with Nightmare on Elm Street for me.
1: I would all I would probably give it 4 skulls just like on its own merit. I didn't like it that much personally, but like I understand why it's important and I think it's a good movie. It just doesn't really hit m- notes that I personally like.
0: Moving on to our final two Toby Hooper movies. We have Texas Chainsaw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre which was released in 1974
1: this is like the first movie we watched that was actually scary I think and it's not like it's not a movie that will like jump out and spook you and like really try to take advantage of you like that like they're jump scares but they're very few and I think they're pretty tasteful in the way that they're completely unexpected and I I think that the the setting and the the whole Sawyer family, like the actors and everything about it just has this like creepy and unsettling feeling and it just feels so real and I think that has to do a lot with like how it's shot and it just like it for a complete fiction based on the work of one serial killer, I think it feels like it's something that could actually happen and I think that's what makes it so scary but I think that's probably my favorite of the movies we've watched this week probably because it's really well paced it's pretty short it's scary and it makes you like think a lot too I feel like there's just so so many layers to this movie and it's really not at all what I was expecting and I think that was for the better like I was very impressed by this movie
0: so this is one of my favorite movies like all time and it's probably my second favorite horror movie behind Halloween and I think it's because it so deeply goes against everything I believe in and it challenges my beliefs so like inherently because this idea that like people are good is like so much of like who I am and then this movie is just so nihilistic and so disgusting and sadistic and all of everyone in this movie is just not a good person like even the people that we're watching who we're supposed to be rooting for are selfish and mean and rude to one another and then you get to the Sawyer family and it's just disgusting everything about it from the production design, which is unbelievable with all of the bones. Absolutely gorgeous there, in the way know.
1: it's so grotesque.
0: It's really, really beautiful. I love all the feathers everywhere. To the fact that the only person I really feel I guess I feel for I feel for everyone who died, except for the, the hitchhiker. But I feel really deeply for for Leatherface, which I think is something that I shouldn't do, but I feel like so much of him is based on this abusive relationship within his family and as you said it is very much based in Ed Gein who obviously didn't murder as many people as we even see in this movie really probably two people but was a grave robber and did use human skin to upholster his whole room his whole home and his clothes because he was trying to recreate his mother out of a skid suit, which is the reason why in that last scene we see Leatherface as a woman. It's kind of an homage to that, but this film is just so beautifully shot too. the lighting that it uses. I think seeing it restored just looked so good. I had never seen it that way. I looked in awe, but it has almost a documentary feel from the opening crawl title with the and this happened in 1973, to the bulb flashes from the police lights, that this is just kind of, this is a really interesting mix between narrative filmmaking and the illusion of documentary filmmaking, which would be like Cinema Verite. It's just a really beautiful movie that's really just makes me sad and makes me want to cry because... Yeah, it's scary, but it's also just so depressing and I, I I don't think I've ever seen something that's supposed to be entertaining being so sad. Like it just really makes me sad. Even whenever he's hitting her with the broom in the car, it's just so mean. Yeah. It's just so mean spirited. This whole movie. The dinner scene that took twenty three hours to shoot just it, it just it's so painful to watch. But that's why it's, like, a perfect film to me. And it's only 82 minutes. It's super short. It's just a perfect go-through. It's a five skull movie. It's Yeah,
1: I agree. It's five skulls.
0: It's just so good.
1: Yeah, I feel like I agree with everything you said. Like, like honestly feeling for Leatherface. Like, like he's done bad stuff, but it's clear that he's, like, not totally cognitively competent. And... It's, like, sad to see how, like, his family has, like, used him.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And I will say, though, that, like, even though this is a really sad and depressing, disgusting movie, I, I would be, like, remiss to not go over those, like, little funny moments. Like, Grandpa's the best at killing, and he just keeps on <laughs> dropping the hammer. And then whenever Drayton Sawyer brings back Sally into the house, and he looks at the door, and he goes... What did your brother do to this damn door? And, like, <laughs> just is yelling at him, it shows that they're also a familial unit that's really connected. Toby Hooper would go on to make probably the greatest horror sequel of all time, which is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. It's very different.
1: It is very different, but I think that, like, you'll probably get to this in your section of the review, but because I think it's so good because it's so different and it doesn't try to be the first movie in any way and totally just kind of like beats its own path and there's just a lot going on in this movie and I feel like it's even more disgusting than the first movie in a lot of ways like this is the first time I like genuinely was like oh man I might be a, at a throw up risk in this movie like it was very gross to me, but I think it's so well done. I love I love uh, Lefty. I think he's hilarious, even though he's, like, a bit weird in the first half when he's just, like, running around with his chainsaw and fighting Leatherface. Just, like, wow. And I like Stretch a lot, too. I hope that's her name right, Stretch. Yeah. Um, I like her a lot. I hope they bring her back for this, this sequel thing. But, um... It it was just very different from the first one, and I think that is one of its biggest benefits. I don't know if I'd ever watch it again because it's just, like, so disgusting, but it's just a a very good movie. Yeah, I
0: I think this is probably the the best horror sequel I've ever seen because it's so funny and different and, and just... Disgusting. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is disgusting because of what it represents, but not really what you see because it's not really a gory movie. This, on the other hand, Tom Zvini comes in and is just slicing off people's heads and has guts inside the walls and is just ball-tapping people with chainsaws. and
1: Yeah, like, I don't even... We just watched it and I don't even people. know what to say about it.
0: Yeah, it's... The skinning scene really got you, but I... This movie is the thing that it, I think the only thing that it improves on from the first, and I don't think it improves on anything else because they're very different, is that the every single character in that movie, I remember and I care about. I care about all the Sawyers, maybe not for the right reasons, but I think Stretch has a lot of agency, which you don't see as often. And I think Lefty, played by Dennis Hopper, is super, super fun. I really like Jim Saidow who came back, used to only cast number two come back for as playing the cook Drayton Sawyer. I think Caroline William Carolyn Williamson does a really great job of just playing stretch Stretch. She is really interesting and she kind of commands this whole movie, which you don't see often. And I think that the way Leatherface is portrayed from this one's really great, but my favorite character in this whole movie is Chop Top Sawyer, played by Bill Mosley. It's just such a fun rule, and I think it has really cool implications about like what Vietnam can do to you. Um, And I really like his metal plate, but I think this movie also does what you should do when you're coming back to a franchise like this or coming back to a film like this, and that's kind of reinvent the tone and the positioning of your film, which I think is what's lacking in a lot of horror sequels and remakes. But I I really love this movie and I think it's a lot of fun and I think it's super disgusting.
1: Super disgusting.
0: And I'm really sad with the way they pushed this franchise out. But these two movies are so great and I think that if anything, like these two movies should, even though I really like Poltergeist, should lift Toby Hooper up for you after what you felt with Boulder Guys.
1: Yeah, I would certainly say so.
0: I think the last thing just to say is this film really does play with the idea of horror in Slasher in particular going through this like notion of like cross gender identification and phallic imagery in like the murder weapon and there's that scene with Leatherface and Stretch in the radio room when he is being very good to her, and I think it's just a really fun, interesting take on that focus of the slasher film.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It's a very interesting scene.
0: Yeah, I would give this movie probably four skulls. It probably on its own merits should be higher, but because it's in comparison to Texas Chainsaw, I, I can't keep it as close
1: yeah no I agree I would also give it four stars and I think mostly that's for me because this movie is like 20 minutes longer than the first one and you can definitely feel it I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot that's like unnecessary I feel that could have been chopped up but like chop (laughs) top yeah they could have done with a little less chop top in my (laughs) opinion because he's very gross and it's enjoyable, but I don't think it's, like, easy to compare to its predecessor, and I don't think it really should be compared to its predecessor in a completely, like, one-to-one, like,
0: Yeah,
1: is this a good sequel to the original? No, but is it a good movie? Yes.
0: Oh, I think it's a good sequel to the original, still. I think, I think kind of what we saw with Scream, which is how Scream's commenting, I think that texas chainsaw 2 is kind of a commentary on how like silly slashers became in the 80s yeah. like this is friday the 13th is a thing right now the halloween sequels are coming out right now nightmare on elm street's coming out these are all fun movies and i think this was toby hooper saying i made probably one of the most like sadistic movies of all time let me make it fun mm-hmm. so I, I i think that it's a i think it's the only sequel in this franchise that's worth anything So we watched Child's Play, Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th, Part 4, the final chapter, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So how would you rank these? Uh,
1: My favorite is Texas Chainsaw 1, then Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, uh, Friday Part 4, Chainsaw 2, Scream, and then Friday 1.
0: I think for me it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four: The Final Chapter, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, and then Friday the Thirteenth. It's hard. Let's toss up at the end. I feel like Child's Play should be higher, and then I feel like Friday the Thirteenth Part Two should be higher. But this is this is like my favorite subgenre genre and horror, and these are all such good movies that it's just hard to rank. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Deja View. If you'd like to watch along with Diego and I, you can go to the Ithacans' Instagram where our full list of the 31 Nights of Fright is posted. And if you'd like to listen to the other Ithacan podcasts, you can get them wherever you get your podcasts at the Ithacan Podcast Network. Thank you all so much for listening and be kind to one another.